Oh, hey there, folks. This is your host, Kate Gaffney, popping on here to remind you how this works. This is another part in the series with Pepper Berry. And if you haven't listened to the other previous episodes, go back and listen to that because this won't really make a whole lot of sense if you don't do that. But y'all are smart. You get how this works. Pepper sat with us for four hours. And so we're giving him the uh, trying to give him his due for his patience and the amount of time he gave us and how great his episodes are. So take a listen, find him on all the things, his infos in the show notes. And yeah, uh, find us on all the things you already know. Oh, hi, you're listening to Service from Hell, a show featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. <laughs> back for part two this week i would like to welcome back our guest writer comedian director teacher improviser and punk pepper berry not a stage name he's originally from texas you learned all about him last week he's been in la for a minute he is now directing writing doing his thing uh listen to last week's episode to get to the full intro and i now i better know pepper from him being on the show two weeks in a row so i don't even have to do my intro we went through the entrees. We were partially through the apps. Pepper was letting us know the various jobs he has had. And the teaser that he dropped on last, last week's episode had to do with his friend Jay and Miami Vice outfits. So, Pepper, <laughs> what was your next job? My next job was Six Flags over Texas. Okay. And uh, big amusement park. Same thing as the one up in Valencia. Is it really oh. called Six Flags over Texas? That's yeah, the full the, name? It's the original one. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. What do the Six Flags mean? It's the six flags that have flown over Texas at one time or another. I Which am means at that. one point, there's a Confederate flag. Wow. Which eventually they got smart and took that down and replaced it with something else. But they were flying all six of those flags oh, at the, the amusement back in the 70s, park. they had the Confederate flag up there. Oh, sure. Uh, okay, we're going to brush past that. Um, okay, so you went there with your friend Jay. Yes, we, we decided, uh, I don't know which one of us thought of this genius plan, but we were like, <laughs> we're going to get jobs at Six Flags for the summer. And... Um, we were way too into Miami Vice, so we had our, I mean, the full-on pastels, the loose shirts, the the uh, pastel uh, cuffs. Where you cuff, roll it up? We, we rolled it all the way up. Yes, yes. Have you ever it. seen that Friends episode where yes. Ross and Chandler are dressed? That was full-on us. Guys. That was full-on us. So you were trying to gain attention, though, because you weren't uh, you weren't applying to be an actor at Six Flags. You were like, no, we were just there. super cool. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've offended you. <laughs> you and Jay were very cool. Uh, okay, so you go in there at 16 or 17 to interview for just like what? Did you have a specific job in we mind? We didn't know. Um, okay. It turns out there's a ton of departments. It's mm-hmm. like um, it's uh, music, working in an amusement park is just like an enormous like family and just a conglomerate a of it's a world. Yeah, mm-hmm. it totally is. And um, we went in, and I don't know how we ended up. We picked security. <laughs> which um stupid which means traffic because we were 16 so oh just where to park so, yeah so in security there's two divisions there's security guards and then there's traffic and that's all in the security banner so when you're 16 or 17 you can only work in traffic because you're not 18 yet um so we thought um because we were from texas we were super cool miami <laughs> vice guys they were right. like we're right. gonna have the best tans ever <laughs> so we're in the middle of the parking lot sleeveless <laughs> tell me you're sleeveless no, 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 no. Oh, okay. We had white. You had all white uniforms because you were out in the sun in a f- asphalt oh, parking lot frying in a hundred degree. In yeah. So you're just, I mean, frying. But also, your kid is Texas, and you're just used to it by then. You've yeah. grown up in it. Yeah. Now, when I go back, I'm like, this is horrible. Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. And you're telling people where to park, and you're also driving the trams back and forth. Oh, that's kind of fun. So yeah, because you're also you're driving, and then you're also doing the spiel on the back. So you're like. And you do all that. So that's where I really started kind of doing comedy. Yeah. Was on the back of those things because I would just improvise my own little things and me and Jay would mess with each other. And when you would do those, you were, I think it was like two hour shifts. So you'd be at a post for two hours and then someone would come and bump you and you'd go to the next post and then somebody come and bump you two hours later and you'd work your way around the parking lot until you got back up to the front where you'd end up on a tram. And so you always were in rotation about about things so you you never just stood out there forever um it just felt like that and <laughs> so we would get on the back of the trams and i would be like uh t- 
telling people, trying to pick up girls, because I'd tell them, it's like, Jay would introduce me, and it's like, we have a foreign exchange student working with us days from England, and then I'd do my English accent, and it was like, um, I think he told me, I was like, I'd get on there and do my English accent as bad as it was, and I'd be like, I'm from Wales. <laughs> and I remember the day where this whole family, I said, I'm from Wales. They turned, they're like, we're from, we're from Wales. Wales. And I was like, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Bloody hell. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you do that for a while. And then now the next job you had was also at Six Flags, but was it bumped up? You bump up. So once you turn 18, then you can go into the park and become a security guard. And that's the best job there is in the park. Stop. Why? Because you don't have anything to do until someone calls you. Oh, so So you just wander. You wander around an amusement park. Do you get to ride rides and shit? No. Oh. But you could shut them down. So (laughs) when someone's like... uh, we would frequently have people try to sneak into the park. They'd like climb over a fence sure. and they'd sneak under like the roller coaster. And we'd get, we'd have six flies over. Texas had a huge observation tower in the middle of it that you could go ele- elevator up. It's probably like, I don't know, 15, 20 stories high. So it's way, it's way up there. So it's kind of cool to walk around there, but there always be one of the posts was up there with binoculars and you would look for people trying to, um, crimes going down fights, uh, people trying to sneak at the park that you'd call it in. Hey, somebody's trying to, blah 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 um and then you would go running down you'd cut through the line you'd jump up on the platform and go shut it down yeah. what an amazing <laughs> it's feeling like, it's, it's like the only thing missing was me sliding over a car hood. <laughs> and you're my best miami vice gear yeah, it's like yeah. shut it down and then they shut the ride down and then me and another security guard would go under the ride and Ooh. be running through the, the bushes and the trees trying to find whoever snuck in and catch them and take them back to security jail in the middle of the amusement park. Did you actually catch people? Oh, all the time. Oh, that's so terrible. Would they be crying and like, oh, we're so no, sorry? They no, they were just, I mean, they were kids just yeah, trying to like, sneak oh, in. Well. Some, yeah, oh, well, we got caught. Okay. Um, and so it was literally just, I mean, you're, it's, it was the best job. You're 17, 18 years old. All you have to do all day is walk around this amusement park and we, you had a pad and you're, you know, and you had a full-on security uniform, mag light badge, the whole thing. That's and an eighteen. You're dressed a like a cop, and yeah. uh, but you're like this skinny teenager. Yeah, you're a kid. <laughs> you, I mean, the uniform's like hanging off of you. <laughs> you're ninety-five pounds, soaking wet. Exactly. And like, That's okay. exactly right. And so you have this pad, and the pad is for. Uh, writing down descriptions of lost kids. That's the most calls we get is lost kids. Ooh. I was like, oh, that's my kid. And um, one of the posts was a little caboose in the middle of the kid town called Lost Parents. And it was like a little joke, like the parents are the ones that are lost. Um, so whenever we find a lost kid, we take them to Lost Parents. And that's where the, the parents knew to go if they lost a kid. It's like they're going to end up there. I don't want to make this too dark, but I have to know because I've heard so many crazy stories out of Disneyland. Did there was there ever a kidnapping situation where the kids were like lost and the parents were not reunited with the kid on your watch or anything no, that you ever heard? That of? Never, oh, that's amazing. That never happened. Okay, that's good. Thank no. you. Thank you for not taking the bait. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you do that for just like a summer, or did you? No, that was like four years. That was a four Holy summer. Shit. I even did it my my freshman year after my freshman year in college. Uh, my parents had moved out of Arlington and gone and moved to Eastland, that little 6,000 oh, population yep. town. And yep. I was like, I'm not moving there. It's like, <laughs> I went to live with my brother who was still in Arlington. I lived with him and, and uh, his wife and still continue to be a security because it was the, gr- I mean, it you was, loved it. I loved it. And it was like, I was working concert security by then. So you oh. pick up shifts, like you could pick up uh, shifts when you on your day off uh, you could take the day off, and there was um, an employee pool in the back. You could go, you know, just hang out. That and it okay, was like a little country club, practically. Texas. Shit. And we had a softball league. Well, that was that you play the different departments. So you had softball nights you'd have to go to, and you had practice. And it was like a it's full a involved life. It's yeah. a world. Yeah, it truly. And is. they want you there all the time. And I would go pick up shifts like it was my day off. It's like, I'm going to go work, work the log ride. I'd just go in and say like, hey, I want to be a ride operator. And, and you'd go work the rides. Um, and I, I would love to, I love to work uh, the splash ride. You would, they'd come down at splash water everywhere. And then there was a bridge that went over the river that you would exit out. And that was one of the posts. And I'd be standing there and everyone come to the bridge and want to get wet. 
from the thing and then the parents would never want to get wet and they were trying to sit there and figure out where to stand where they wouldn't get wet and I'm just standing there I was like eventually you're going to look up and see that I'm completely dry yeah and you're going to stand by me you <laughs> dumbass <laughs> and eventually some of them were smart enough to be like that guy's still dry he <laughs> knows where to stand him. and it was fantastic and then uh, once you're in that you can also be on concert security so concert uh, they have their own they had a music mill like an amphitheater not quite. It's, it looked like the Greek, but it wasn't that big. Um, but we still had huge acts come through. You know, Duran Duran and and, and Cheap Trick and holy shit, whoever, whoever. I mean, I saw I saw really amazing concerts that I never would have gone to see. And we would like um, we worked concert security there again. Super skinny person. Like I'm like I'm gonna block somebody, yeah. <laughs> it's like, but you have your giant mag light in this attitude. Where it's like, and it was very like, it was very polite, and like the only thing you really had to deal with was people coming down to try to take pictures of the stage. You oh, tell okay. them get back to your seat, and they'd be, look at you like, who are like, you? Who, what are you gonna do? And yeah. you like, take out your mag light, you're like, get back to the seat. <laughs> and I remember the being in the security headquarters there in the middle of the park, and they got a call, and they're like, uh. The Bengals need somebody to guard the dressing room. I was like, I'm on it. And I just ran. <laughs> I ran as fast as I could. I was Before like, that's mine. You know. <laughs> and I'm just running as fast as I can through the park to the to the music mill. And then I'm like two thirds away there and I get this call the thing. It's like Pepper, uh, they want a girl. <laughs> I was like, no. no. And so I get there and I was so and I'm just there early. So I was like, I might as well just hang out and I get to the music mill for their sound check and I just go sit in the third row. I'm the only person in the whole thing and they just like sang me songs so holy was, shit that's was, awesome it was all my own little bangle concert and um that was fun to do and then you would also get eventually bumped up to um undercover work so you'd be like the undercover person looking for shoplifters and counterfeiters and things like that was that the most fun that was super fun because that was super cool with the chicks because you'd yeah. have your badge under your shirt and you'd be like I love it. How old were you when you were How old 18? 18 year old undercover narc yeah. cop. And at uh, a new music I park. remember catching, I caught uh, two counterfeiters. So I was working the gate where you come back into the park and you have to show the, the blue hand the, stamp or whatever. Black light oh yeah. 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 You put your hand oh, under there I forgot about and that. people would literally try to like roll it off. Yep. As soon as I'd see them backwards, I'd be like, I'd grab them. They'd run away. We'd, we'd chase them. Uh, why we'd chase them, I have no idea. It's like, they're not coming in. But I remember we had two counterfeiters in the park and they followed them around for hours and they were like, they'd go to some place, they'd, they'd uh, you know, buy something for a 20, get the change back and go on. And then our undercover team would come up and take the 20 and put it in an evidence bag and they'd just follow them around. And they were all just complete grown men playing cops and robbers, basically. And they're following around, they're like, all right. And they had dropped, I don't know how many, 20s out all over the park until finally our captain was like, are you going to arrest these guys? Yeah, just we have follow them? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And But by that time, they were already on their way out of the park. Oh. And they're like, they're like, they're heading to the gate. They're heading to the gate. And I see them coming because I've been listening to the description the whole time. And they walk up to me and I was like, oh, could you just wait over here for two seconds? And they're like, oh, yeah, okay. And they just stood there like Because they didn't know. Oh, my <laughs> and God. And then the whole team just swarmed them and, and, and grabbed them. And so can like, you, could that be considered like, because uh, it's a private property, I guess. Like, would you guys have? We had our own little jail. So it would still count as counterfeiting. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So then would you call the exterior cops from absolutely. the city? Yeah. And then when we'd have fights and big things like that. They'd have to come in. We would arrest them in the park, but then we'd put them in the little, the little pretend jail, which was really just a room. Uh, okay. And then the real cops would come Damn. and pick them up. And a lot of the security people from uh, our department knew cops in town. So they were like, you know, they hey. knew each other. And okay. a lot of the guys in the security department wanted to be cops so bad. Like that, that was their trajectory. And I was yeah. like, all right, good luck with that. You're going to be an yeah. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> okay. So you, you had listed that your favorite job of all of your jobs. Wait, did you say favorite? No. It was probably Six Flags. That's what I thought. I'm looking here. I thought that's yeah. what you had next to it, but now I don't see that. Okay, so... Because uh, it was like, it was, I mean, you're in an amusement park all day long. It's like, you're yeah. super happy. I would go, I'd get there early and I would go see the music hall show, which was like a kind of a Broadway American musical thing. I would sit sure. there and watch it every day. It just, it's just 
I love musicals. You know, it's interesting. I, I can see it was a world that I got plugged into out here because of Universal. And it was so much, the auditions were really intense and really hard. And it was this whole other level. But it was, I was surrounded by a lot of people who came from a similar experience to what you had of like, they had a really affectionate relationship towards or an affinity for amusement parks because of how they grew up. The smell. The smells. Yeah. Uh, oh, the, the just chlorine and yes. wood. Yes. Aww. That's that Six Flags. Do you still, when you, have you been to the Six Flags here? The one oh, a long time ago. Do you, when you were walked in, were you like, oh, this is so familiar? Or was it kind of like, whatever? No, I was like, oh, these way. are all going to make me sick now. Oh. <laughs> the rides are like intense now. They are. They're it's awesome. like, we're just going to run you straight into another person. <laughs> oh, that's true. Okay. I want to get through all of them, but I, I think. I'm telling you, we got, it's a huge list. Okay. So I want to focus on, and I'm so grateful you sent me this ahead of time. So Which I, is kind of like why I, I, I have such patience with other customer service people because it's like odds are i've probably done your job <laughs> probably now is this the opportunity to tell the oliver stone being nice story does this fall into a job situation or is, does that come later into the dessert section where you say like the nicest thing someone's done for you no at this point i'm still in college i'm not even out in la okay okay so i want to jump to you said that's uh, not until i get to the the theater man theater okay so the Chelsea Street Pub and the Steak and Ale. Those, Chelsea Street Pub. Were you bartending at both of those That's places? That's where I learned to bartend. Okay. At the worst possible location. Wait, why? It, because that's where people learn to drink. So Chelsea Street was a fun job. It was like another, again, it was one of oh, those hold jobs hold where you got. Sorry. Oh, That'll pick up. That's going to pick up. For yeah. Sure. Not a soundproof space, y'all. Yep. Okay. Uh, Chelsea Street, go ahead. Um, so Chelsea Street Pub was... Um, probably like a little TGI Fridays-ish sort of establishment in a mall that had an, out, an exterior door to it. So it's like connected to a mall. Got it. Okay. So, um, you know, pub food, but they also had live entertainment. So there was a little stage and the only entertainment that come through would be one person bands. And in Texas, for some reason, there was a circuit of people who did those gigs and they did them very well. They were amazing performers and they had like, this is like the 80s. This is like 84, in the mid-80s, and they're somehow doing drum loops and, and, and things. I don't know what computers they were, what equipment they were using back then, but it was like they were able to do play against tracks. And say so it was like a full-person band with it just sound, one it person. Sound, yeah, it sounded like a full That's person. Awesome. And they would be on a, um, a six-week loop. Damn. So they'd go from, and they would play every night. They'd come to, they would come to Chelsea Street, and they'd be there for the whole week. Wow. So you got to know them and then they would leave and six weeks later they'd come back around the loop and it'd be another week. So you really got to know people. I'd get, I, I got up on stage with a few people every once in a while and played songs with them. But it was also a service bar. So a service bar is um, no one can come up to, only the service should come up and get drinks orders from you. So, But they do a lot of the like, hello, I've got table, blah, blah, blah. Or was that not your experience? It was because oh. it would be packed. Yeah, um, but it was kind of a cool, I have to admit the manager there was cool because when you, when I got hired, you couldn't be a bartender or server until you had, he put you back in the kitchen. No, Yeah, he put you back in the kitchen to wash dishes. So you wash dishes for um, a day. And then he put you on host and so you hosted for a day. And then he put you back in the kitchen for like two or three days and you helped cook. I respect that. Yeah. I was like, I was like, that's so by the time you got on the floor, you knew everything. That's smart. So I started waiting and then I eventually trained to be the bartender. And my my college roommate at the time was also the bartender there. Now, to put this in a timeline, this is also exactly when Tom Cruise movie Cocktail came out. Okay. So every bartender in the city was trying to be Tom Cruise. So we were learn to spin stuff and bounce stuff off the thing and like I could like throw the matchbook across the bar and have it light and we had practiced all that stuff we had practiced in our in our apartment and, uh, and stuff we broke so much shit I bet you did. <laughs> lit so much on fire <laughs> it, was like, it was like <laughs> we're like oh we're awesome <laughs> okay well, don't, that, do that that's a, don't don't mind that <laughs> um and because we had the rubber mats and the shakers would bounce off the rubber mats and yeah. we were doing all that and everyone was doing that in town and at that time like uh, bartenders were going nuts and it was also like inventing drinks so everyone was inventing new drinks all the time so the thing with Chelsea that sucked though was that we had a menu for drinks so it was like a little plastic menu with multiple like a cheese factory menu and it not only showed you a picture of the drink it 
listed every liquor that was in it. So it was just like in a college town, that was where people learned to drink. They were like, oh, what's a blue Hawaiian taste like? I'm going to have one that. of those. I'm going to have a sex on the beach next. <laughs> what's a pina colada? Like, and then we had liter drinks that were like in giant liter mugs that no. were like uh, Lynchburg lemonades. You're going to be out of your mind wasted, wasted in two drinks. Funerals, which were um, even more liquor than a Lynchburg. Plus it had 151 uh, sugar cube on top that lit it on fire. And here's the thing that was, oh, man, it was so mad. So you're carrying... I think five or six of them would fit on a tray. Sure. Leader drinks. Fucking heavy. Yeah, that is. As shit. That's why you have nerve damage. Not from guitar playing. Yeah, it's yeah, from possibly. this shit. And then the drunker people got, yep. as soon as you got close to the table, they take it. let me grab one, throws the entire thing, whoosh, and just, you know, six liters of alcohol go flying everywhere. And they're just like, why'd you dump it out? I'm just like, you fucking asshole. And then you have to remake all of those drinks. You have to remake all those uh, things. And, uh, but it was... It was pretty loose, and then that manager left, and we had the assistant manager became the manager, and she was a party girl. So it became like some crazy parties on during the night where it was like we would just have customers coming to the bar, and I'd make upside down margaritas in their mouth, and lean over the bar, <laughs> and I'd be making, and we'd get up there, totally legal, not supposed to do that at all. Oh my god! And we'd be like, "Don't close your don't." We we sit there, it was like, "Close your eyes." Don't close your mouth until I say, do not close your mouth. And they're all drunk. They're like, I got it. I got it. Do not close your mouth until I say. And they're like, okay, dump, close mouth, your mouth. mouth. Yep. Alcohol runs Everywhere. in their eyes. And they're just like, ah, their eyes are burning. We're like, we told you. Not, not cool. Oh, my God. How we did not get. We actually did get busted once because the, um, what was it called? The TABC, Texas Alcohol Bureau. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, they would send in undercover people to. Chelsea, but like, of lot. course they would. And with with bait customers, people yeah, that 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 were underage that looked yes. lit, and we had a uh, a server get arrested right there on the floor. Sure, handcuffed. It's a real up. big deal. Also, free pouring and free pouring into someone's mouth. Yeah. like <laughs> none of these things. None of those ooh, things are. This are is not good. Ideal. It's not yeah. good. Okay, so you do. So you learn how to bartend there. Just to get, I just want to. There's one more job I want to focus on, and then we'll go back. I know that our audience is very lovely, and they expect the same questions, so I will get to all of the questions. But you said that you worked at Hamburger Hamlet in Westwood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do we, can we talk about? I love it? that job. You that was, loved that, that job. Was, that was another job okay. that was kind of family. That I was living in Westwood at the time, and I think I was living up, uh, with my girlfriend at the time then, and she was also a server, and that was. After I put those out of order, I think on yours I put Jerry's Deli. After you did that, didn't I, my memory came back. The reason I ended up hammer and Hamlet is because I quit Jerry's Deli because it is the worst job I have ever had. In my Perfect life. transition. Tell me why. It was the graveyard shift, so I went to. They work. were open twenty four hours. Oh yeah. Oh no no no. And didn't you? Did you say you worked at? Did I hear on the podcast you worked at Hard Rock? Yeah yeah yeah. At the Beverly Center. No, at the one at Universal City. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, there used to be the, the when it first opened, it was at the Beverly Center. Oh, okay. And that was the thing where all the Brat Pack and everybody would go in That's the eighties. Awesome. It was because the, the Hard Rock was like the coolest bar in the world. I didn't know. And that. it had like, oh yeah, like it's funny how all these chain chains. bars start off as cool things first, Hole in the wall. and become chains because of that. Like if you if you if you're in the music and you um, like Big Star is one of my favorite bands from the seventy. If you look at the back of their second album, they're all part they're all partying at this bar. The bar they're at is the TGI Fridays. I'll die. But in 1972, it was it was chain. a cool <laughs> it was the coolest bar in the world. I love it. And now it just looks funny that they're partying at TGI Fridays. So in the 80s, the Hard Rock at the Beverly Center was the place and like celebrities would go there because they had gold cards that would take them into the secret elevator and take them up to the private thing. Across from that where on Beverly, it's a Granville now, across from Cedars, it was Jerry's Deli. Oh, that's a weird placement for that. There's no parking over there. There's no parking. Yeah, we had valet, I believe. Oh, okay. I think. So I worked the graveyard shift there. It was open 24 hours. I went in at 11 p.m. and worked till 7 a.m. And first off, the psychological yeah. mindfuck that you're driving to work at 10.30 and you're seeing everybody go out to movies. and It's brutal. It's brutal. I don't know why, but it's brutal. Yes. Oh, my God. It's brutal. You're just like, I was like, oh, I'm, this is the worst. And so I'd get there, and here's the thing about Jerry's Deli, is that you could you had to work 
that shift in order to get up to the dinner shift. I lasted, I think, three or four months. Months? Oh, that's yeah. A, that's a, this, wh- it was oh. a fucking abusive kind of place. So we'd get there and everything would be fine up until 2 a.m. That's when it's all the hour. clubs yes. em- start emptying. Yes. And everyone came to Jerry's Deli. Ugh. So Jerry's turned into the club. And so from 2 a.m. until 5, it was madness. And when I say madness, I mean people, every booth, every table is taken up. In between the aisles, every place there is a human because they're all waiting to get a table. So you would be at a table taking an order, and as as soon as you're finished, you would turn around and you couldn't move because you're in this giant shoulder shoulder crowd and you could you had to like kind of fight your way through this crowd to make it back to the kitchen and are people stopping you along the way like hey i want to order from you or whatever everybody's doing everything Uh, wrong and so the reason it got bad was because jerry's is like there was it was open 24 hours so there's no doors so there's a you know the they hang those giant plastic uh walls down mm-hmm. to kind of make it feel feel like mm-hmm. it's inside. So that's the first layer. And then there's that's the exterior part of the restaurant. And then there's a patio, but that's also enclosed with another piece of plastic vinyl thing, window thing. So it's really in each and every so many feet there's a slit <sighs> that lets you out. So and this thing is a an L that goes around the whole thing. So the restaurant's huge and there are exits Everywhere people are walking out people on every walk bill out every night. Were you responsible for covering the bill? No, that was it? a lot of the fighting. Was, was like I'm not, you know, I'm fucking covering this, this because they can guard. leave. Yes, everywhere. This and is the, my point. Yes. The managers sort of got that, and I don't think I ever paid Good. for a walkout because Good. it was like it was part of doing business at Jerry's, and it was also like we'd have fights because you have dr- they would arrive drunk because they're coming from the club already. And we'd have on weekends, we'd have undercover cops sitting at the bar because we'd had somebody stabbed and somebody pulled a gun at one point. When you were there? No, not when I was there. It was prior to prior to me working there. So that's why they were there. And then the amount of walk off walk walkouts were insane. And I would see um, I remember one walkout and people were like, the thing that bugs me the most is is that that the, the people that don't have the money but they want you to think they have the money those are the people that walk out sure are and so you are literally i'd see service chasing people out of the restaurant and they are literally jumping into a mercedes speedway to get away from a 50 dollar check fucking unbelievable and that affects your bag that affects your tips you're not getting tipped on a walkout no you're not and then i would have um I, i remember one of my most the worst walk I saw was a birthday party. Had to be almost 20 people. I'm waiting on this giant table the whole time. And then this is like pre-Venmo everything. This is, and so one guy's like, it's like, everyone just pay me and I'll put it on my credit card. So everyone, I was like, I was, I'll give you the check. And he's like, I'm gonna, he took everyone's money and he just hung out the whole time. Everyone eventually started peeling away and leaving and then he waited until like you know i was off doing something else and he just took off with everyone's money what a pile of shit person total pile of shit person wow and i remember telling that i was like i am not paying for that hell no (laughs) and it came down to the reason that i got i quit was because so everyone arrives drunk everyone wants their table and everyone wants to be there because there are also celebrities everywhere, sitting everywhere. And so no one's going to leave because um, TLC is over here and George Clooney and Holy Noel shit. Wiley are over here and, and the paparazzi are like there, Everyone. but they're all taking breaks. It's like, <laughs> and uh, they're the best tippers of anybody. Paparazzi right, guys will, will fucking tip you like Matt. Yeah, they get it. And um, that's also where I learned, uh, I saw like call girls for the first time. Oh, I'd really? Never se- I'd never seen that in LA. And I was like, I, I just remember this. This gorgeous girl, like, like just in the booth, just climbing on top of this guy that looks like Harvey Weinstein. I was like, what is going on there? And I was like, I have no idea. And then the next night she was back with a completely different guy doing this. I was like, oh, okay. It I just clicked. It. it just clicked. 
Pepper from Texas just got it. Texas Everybody got calm it. down. All right, all right. I had never heard of Heidi Flies, but then I knew I knew who Heidi Flies was. So every every table is packed, and there's a wait list. Um, up at the hostess stand, but also no one's making a line. They don't make them wait outside. They can just wander into the restaurant. And like I said, you're eating, and there's just people right up against your table just standing there chatting. Ugh. It's it just anxiety. Claust- it's claustrophobic, and it's literally. I mean, you're in. It's like being in a concert. You're just yeah. moving in this shoulder shoulder crowd, and you're trying to do your job. Yeah. Like, ugh. so as soon as people would get up and leave their table. These people would sit down. And you're like, no, there's a wait list. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. I was like, you got to go up and wait. They're like, no, no, just let it sit here. I was like, no. And I'd go tell the host. I was like, get these people out of my section. And so the host, the dick that he was, uh, would go up there and take bribes. And so he'd be like, he'd walk up. And I would hear him. Like, like I'm standing right here. He'd be like, he's like, you guys got to get up. He's like, no, just let it stay. He's like, all right, 10 bucks right now. And he's like, they'd give him 10 bucks. And he's like, then I would wait on him and I would get no No tip. tip. Yeah. Then the dickhead that he was, after the shift would come up, is like, "Look at all my money. Where, where's my tip out for the host?" And I'd be like, "Are you, you fucking are, kidding me? Are you joking?" He'd try to fleece you for money. Yeah, he wanted me to tip the host stand like we did. No. I was like, "I was like, you just took bribes from my table, and I didn't get a tip." And he was like, "Who fucking cares? You're supposed to tip the host." And we almost got a fight in the kitchen. And he's like, "Oh, let's go outside. I'll fight you right now." Outside. I was okay. like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I was wow. like, I'm not tipping. I was like, I did not give him any money. But after that, I was like, this is too much yeah. fucking shit. It's like, I'm going to get in a fight. People are walking out. The host wants to fight me. And I was like, I was Pepper. like, it was How- like the manager was like just there. He was the manager looked and sounded exactly like Joe Pesci. <laughs> and he was just there to pick up girls. Honorary and, title of manager. He was doing none of the job. He was none just of the job. Getting his, and his, he was just like, yeah, yeah. Sound like he sounded exactly like Joe Pesci. It was uh, hilarious. Yeah. I lasted about three or four months. And then I, I was like telling my girlfriend, I was like, I have to quit. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to lose it. It's like this dude wants to fight me and, and all this stuff. And that's how I ended up at Amber Hamlet. Okay. Well, the other thing that they, that, and this happened when I worked at a comedy club, your circadian rhythm never really ever adjusts to that schedule, no matter how long you're in it. Because when the sun's out, your body isn't programmed in any way, shape or form to be asleep. So you can get blackout curtains. You can do every measure of way to protect yourself. You cannot sleep through the entire day. You can't. And you but have to get stuff done. What what sucks is like by the time you wake up and you're trying to get stuff done, it's always that thing hanging over you that you have to be somewhere at yep. certain times. So you can't really get can't everything get. done that you want. You can't. And with traffic in LA, it's like, okay, my goal today is to get all my personal shit done before I have to go to work. But you have this weird four hour window and two of that you're spending in the car. Exactly. Oh, it's brutal, Pepper. So it's four brutal. months. I just, God bless. Yeah. And also just getting off at 7 a.m. No, it fucks your brain. It's oh, it's not good. That was awful. So with that, that's your least favorite of all that's the jobs. That's the worst job ever. Okay. Now, you put in here, the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst on the clock was at a retail job at Stromberg. Yeah, yeah it was uh, the boss asked me to marry her friend for a green card for $5,000. Oh, she was dead ass serious. Oh, dead ass serious. Where is Stromberg? Is that in LA? Yeah, it's over on... Um, uh, Hillhurst. I don't know. It, it, so it's, it's a, a retail job. It's over. a, uh, she's a jewelry designer, but I started off in her retail shop that was over in Silver Lake. Okay. And then I eventually moved over to the wholesale side. Okay. I learned and a lot about women's jewelry and stones. I'd, I can spot a smoky quartz from a mile away. <laughs> can you really? That's a, that's a skill. <laughs> Wait, so she was, she thought this guy will do it. He'll say yes. So did you, well, did you do it? No. I was just like, I was like, no. Okay, straight up, just no. No. And then did she fire you shortly thereafter, or no. were you just no? no I oh, quit. Good. Oh, you did. Uh, oh, good for you. What, I, what made I you quit? quit? I quit because she she was shifting her business into more like uh, she got really got into eco friendly stuff like bamboo floors and so she wanted she wanted to teach herself that so she moved to Israel. Oh, okay. Where she was going to do that, and she let her dad, who was practically a gangster, take over the business and none of us wanted to work for him too scary and i was just like i was like this guy and i told i remember the um manager of that store i remember telling her i was like if you got a job somewhere lined up you should go because he's gonna rob this place and he's gonna he's gonna blame you it's like it's gonna happen and sure enough and i worked for her for five years we had shoplifters from time to time well that was it but then after she'd gone and her dad wasn't within more to, and me and him used to get into screaming matches about shit because he wanted to do some 
things one way, which was the completely wrong way to do it. And I'd been there for five years and I knew how to do it. So we, and I wasn't just taking any shit from him. So I was just like, I'm not doing that. Go fuck yourself. And we'd get into screaming matches. I mean, it must've been a month and suddenly uh, someone had broken in the store, stolen tens of thousands of dollars worth of jewelry. Uh, the alarm had not gone off. It was just like such bullshit. And I was just like, you know, the you cops knew. coming out there and I was just the whole time. I was just like, it's obvious who did this insurance scam. Oh, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you knew. And then uh, you were like, I'm not sticking around yeah, for this. Yeah, I'm not sticking around. Ooh. And I had just kind of, I was kind of on the sly talking to UBS, which was my first finance job. They had finally sent me the offer and it's like, you know, you're in. And I was just like, great. I'm bye. Out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Goodbye. Okay. Goodbye. So that makes, that is the weirdest. Was there ever an incident where anybody asked to speak to your manager? Obviously Jerry's deli was probably oh, littered yeah. with those, but get you- ready to slam your head in the table. Oh, I'm going to scream. This is my most ridiculous thing. So I was working at hamburger Hamlet <laughs> and, uh, I worked, I'd started hamburger Hamlet in Westwood and Jerry's deli moved in next door which took away business and eventually shut the hamburger hamlet down it was kind of on its way out anyway and if you don't know hamburger hamlet it's not really around anymore but it was an institution people grew up it's every it was everybody's favorite there place. was one in west hollywood for a long time and yeah. up until very recently and their burgers were spectacular they're, they're better than were, I, I, they were famous for the burgers it was i mean the thing was around i still have in my kitchen a giant menu board from like the early 60s oh, that i took cool. out of the basement and I mean, Miles Davis's wife used to host this at the Doheny one. So and cool. um, it just had this huge history where you'd wait on people and they would be like three generations of people. There's a granddad who grew up going there and then mm-hmm. his son and then their son. And it was, everyone loved it. And that Westwood store closed and they fired everybody. They brought us all in that day for staff meeting. They fired everybody except me. They fired the whole thing. Everyone just blew up and was like, ah, fuck you. And everyone left and they were like, Pepper, come here. You're starting at Brentwood tomorrow. Holy <laughs> so, shit. So I went to the Brentwood store. Wait, why were you protected? You just were so good. I was just good. Okay. And I was bartending, I would bartend there at the Hamlet too and, and, and wait tables. And that was another thing when I was at the Westwood store, there was a girl there. Uh, I can't remember her name. She was this blonde, blonde uh, server there. We were friends and uh, I can't remember if it was her husband. I think it was just her boyfriend at the time. So he, he would come in every night that she was working. And he'd sit and wait for her to get off. And, him, and, and we would talk so much about films and stuff because he knew I was a writer. And he, he, him and his brother had uh, actually finished a full-length feature film that they were trying to get around to festivals and things like that. And um, he was great. He was super nice. And then years later, uh, that guy turned out to be Joe Russo of the Russo Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> directing the Avengers. So him and his brother did quite okay. Who, what, what movie? I'm not familiar. You're going to have to brief me, Pepper. Okay. I I knew him when he was just trying to get a job anywhere. Okay. Directing something. Um, so what were we talking about? This is about a manager again. Like if someone asked to speak to your manager. Oh, the manager, the manager. But but Hamburger Hamlet. So you get brought over to Brent. brought over Brentwood. Yeah. Which is, um, the main their main business they had a garden room is brunch okay brunch is the worst thing ever that is accurate um, not the first time it's been said not nor will it be is, the last that is accurate yeah. and it, i mean for starters it's three times the drinks so because yep. everyone's gonna get water they're gonna get orange juice and they're gonna get a coffee yep so if you're bringing uh six people instead of bringing six drinks you're bringing 18 drinks and that are all refillable yeah which is they're super all fun. refillable yeah super fun. and the thing with brunch is that if you, if you know, I go out to eat almost every night. I'm a huge foodie. I go out to restaurants all the time. If I go somewhere and have a lobster thermidor, I can't, I can't make a lobster thermidor. True. I don't know how to do that. And if I go out and, you know, have some like shrimp scampi, whatever thing, I don't know how to do that. Everyone knows how to cook breakfast. Oh, it's such a good point. And they Pepper. want it cooked exactly how they cook it. You're so right. No one's ever said that before. You're so right. So everything gets sent back. Oh. All You're the so time. right, Pepper. and it's all old people. So if one person sends it back, a whole table what sends it that? back. What is that? That's it's so like accurate. is yours is wrong. Well, mine so must mine. be wrong. <laughs> it's like yours is cold. I feel like mine is cold now. There was a there was a table that came in almost every brunch every Sunday that we would literally make. I would be like, so and so is here, and they would cook their thing, and they would set them on the grill so they were. 
piping hot. Piping hot. You, you couldn't even touch them, Marley. Wow. And so I'd take them out of napkins so that they knew. It just faked them out. They was just like. Because the plate was so hot. The hot, hot. They couldn't touch it. So wow. they wouldn't send it back. So because it would just be this one guy in the end. He always sat on the end and he would just be like, mine's cold. And everybody would be like, mine's Mine cold too. too. I'm 70. And I'm just going like, to. I'm a toddler. I, like, I hate all of you. <laughs> so I had this woman come in two Two times I, they were asked to see my manager. Ooh, wait. I'll see what you think about the second one. Okay. It's, it's controversial. Okay. Um, so the first was this little old lady. She came in, had her meal, and she, I went over to give her the check, and she, um, she said, I would like to speak to your manager. And I was like, okay, because everything had gone pretty groovy so far. Yeah, you're like, all right, why? And I was like, all right. So she, I, I was like, this woman wants to see you. And I come back into the garden room, and she's already waiting up on the steps like for him. And so he comes, uh, comes over. And this is probably the only time I've ever lost my cool, because that's kind of the one, one reason I was really good at, at, at serving, is because I was so on autopilot that nothing bothered me. And... So she comes out and she's like, I want to explain this to you that I am going to pay my check, but I am not going to leave a tip because you don't have a handicap loading zone out in front of your restaurant. And I was like, and that's my fault? You're not, you're going to wait, you're going to pay for your food? And my manager was like, Pepper, go to the back. (laughs) 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 And he was like, He's like, that's out of my control, but I'll take the check. It's like, whatever you want. He's like, he was like, I was just like, ah, oh, that's so it. But which was like rare for me because I would probably make my most money there on Sundays because we would usually have two to three servers in that huge garden room. And like clockwork, they would lose their minds and they'd just be like, <laughs> they'd be like, I can't pick it anymore. This one, and they would send them home and I would just take their section. Holy shit. And I was, I was always the last person standing. And when you get, when people leave and you take over their section, then they know you need help. So the manager's running your food for you. But you keeping all them tips. And you're keeping all the tips. <laughs> and all I have to do is get drinks. Oh. Once someone's running your food for you, easy peasy. Easy peasy. It's like I could wait on this entire restaurant even That's run right. the food. That's right. And so I would just clean up. And it was be every Sunday somebody would just start crying and break down because of brunch. And I'd be like, I'll take I a got section. It. <laughs> That's amazing. And um, so that was that was the one was- big blood. Now the second time someone asked uh, was a woman was this woman and so tell me what you think of this. Okay. So this is very much profiling, uh, reading people for their tips. So this woman comes in for lunch, working kind of executive look, and she sits down by herself. She's maybe in her 40s. There's an older guy that's sitting across at a two-top also, very Hollywood gentlemanly, old-school dude, probably has a cigar and stuff, <laughs> and um, he's trying to talk to her, and she's not having any of it. And um, she's like, no, I'm, and he's like, maybe I could take you out. And she's like, no, I'm married or whatever. And um, he's, he kind of gives up. And then at the end of his meal, he's finished. He was already there before her. So he calls me over. He's like, come over here. He's like, give me her check. I'm going to pay for it. So immediately in my head, because uh, you need money, I'm calculating it within seconds. I'm like, all right, she's 15%. Tops. Yeah, he's probably twenty. He's twenty for sure. If I say no to him, I'm losing. I take her fifteen, and now he's gonna bump me down to fifteen. If I say yes, he's gonna give me twenty on both plus another bonus for doing this for him. So it took me point five seconds to say absolutely, like that. So he pays both thing, give me a huge tip, great, and leaves. Thank you so much. Fantastic. And then she's like, she finishes maybe like fifteen minutes later. She's like, can I get my check? I was like. Uh, the gentleman that left took care of your check. And she's like, what? She's livid. Rightly so. I get it. It's it's just like, you know, this guy's like creepily trying to hit on her the whole time. And then he walks off and pays for a check. Uh, but I was like, I was like, sorry. It was like, it's like he asked me, I took it. And she's like, I want to talk to your manager. I was like, absolutely. So I brought over my manager, who was a female. And she explained, she's like, this guy was, you know, trying to hit on me, blah, blah, blah. And then you're... Uh, server gave him my check and he paid for my lunch. <laughs> my manager looked at her and she's like, you got your lunch paid for? Good for your <laughs> And manager. you're mad? She's like, girl, you look hot. <laughs> she was like, She's like, move on. And Good for your was, manager. She was so mad that no one, everyone's just like, what's your problem? You got a free lunch. Get out of here. Good. 
I agree with your manager. I also think in a situation like that, and I think that they do this to servers and bartenders all the time, it is not your job to play social referee for what she considers offensive, but someone else doesn't, but he's trying to do this generous thing. I get it if he's being disgusting and keeps sitting over at the table and she's like, can you please just get him away from my table? Sure. That's why restaurants have security. Fine getting mad at you for that it is not your job to be the no. arbiter of the experience for everyone yeah. and that's the, that makes me homicidal and if he had been like super creepy and don't, but Fine. he was just like such an old school gentleman person like you know once she said like Ameri- he like completely stopped Shut, shut him down. He's like, fine. And then he did the little classy Vegas, like, give me a check. I'll take care of it. And that's like, it, nobody was harmed. He didn't no. have any demo information about her. No, no phone number, no name. He wasn't like, I mean, this would have been pre whatever. Pre He's not sliding into her DMs yeah. being like, I facial recognized you. But like, no, she's being an asshole. Okay. So I want, here's the thing. We're at, this episode is rapidly coming to a close. So, so many more stories. We have scratched the surface. I know. So here's where we're at. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a couple more questions in this section. I'm not going to get through everything. And what we'll do is I'm going to book you for another time if you're willing to come back. Sure. And then we will do a third episode at another time. So I'm not, I'm not going to make you sit through three hours of interview right now. But another day I will schedule you, audience. There's Absolutely. more to be shared. So because we're going to do that, I'm going to pick, I'm going to go back a little bit. Is that okay with you? I'm asking yeah. you on the spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so we have about 15 more minutes that we can do this episode. So I just want to go back because I skipped over a ton of jobs that you had listed so I could get to the questions. Mm-hmm. But I want to go backwards on the the job that I was very, very interested in that I skipped. Hold on. I want to grab it. Where is it? Telemarketing toner. I don't know what the fuck that oh, is. Oh, it's just, yeah, I was selling printer toner over the phone. Oh, I thought that was like a roll of some kind. Okay. No. And then. I lasted, um, I think, a day on that. Okay. <laughs> I was terrible at it. Then I want you to spend the rest of the episode talking about that and talking about telemarketing real estate bait and switch scam because yeah. I have to know everything. Okay, so go to the toner and then we'll do our outro and then I will book you for another time. Sure. I mean, I can stay also if you want. I, I, I have to yeah. walk her. Yeah, you totally have so to walk I, her. I don't want to make you sit around and wait for me to do all of that. But I'm sorry to, I'm, I'm, well. No, no. I figured this would be three parts. <laughs> okay. It's going to have to be. Those two jobs. Yes. You have to tell me. The, te- tell me the telemarketing toner was literally me when I first moved out here. Like I said, I had all this experience from Texas bartending and stuff. I couldn't get hired to, to save do my life. It was so hard. And I would go, I applied at Gladstones. No, my friend, I went with a friend and he got it and I did not. And I went to um, so many restaurants. I, just trying, I went to, I remember going to Chasen's. <laughs> Like, if you don't know what Chase is, it's not there anymore. But it's like, um, kind of like, what it would it be equivalent to? Like, if you take Musso and Franks and put it together with Craig's, it was like, it's like, it was like the spot where celebrities went to the old school celebrities. Like, okay. they're Oscar. Uh, if you weren't invited to the Oscars, or not, that's where like Cary Grant would go to watch the Oscars. They'd have Oscar watching parties at Chasen's. It was that old school, you know, you'd wow. be, it, you know, Dick Van Dyke and Chase. So it's all, and I went to apply there. And they looked at me just like, because I didn't know that, like Musos, all the waiters had been there for 50 years. Sure. And their career uh, One was literally uh, waiting tables with the oxygen tank, like walking around the whole thing. Wow. It, was, it was a tradition. It was like a, uh, an institution. And it was, it was one of, it was, if you know that Donna Summer song, uh, she works hard for the money. Yeah. That's from Chasen's. That's the, the woman that worked in the, as the attendant in the women's room. Are you joking? Donna Summer walked in there during an Oscar watching party and, 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 the girl was like, oh, I work hard for the money, girl. And she's like, that's a song. I love that a lot, actually. Yeah, okay, so you walked into there, and then you were like, I'm going to I'm gonna get a job here. Couldn't get a job there either. No, it was, and, and I remember going to the Cheesecake Factory and sitting through practically a class. Oh, it is. To, to not get that job. And <laughs> so I was taking, uh, I took that toner job, and it was just cold calling these places. I, or maybe we had leads. Maybe it was a kind of a Glengarry, Glen Ross kind of thing. <laughs> where I had leads, I was calling people like, yeah, "How's your printer toner going?" And uh, very, very the office. And I could not sell. I think right before I left for the day, I sold one toner. And the guy, the manager, called me over. He's like, "Look, I'm glad you sold. I'm glad you sold one." He's like, "But well, this, you, you don't got it." <laughs> 
this ain't for you. Like, okay, and I was like, I was like, you. yeah, yeah, it's probably true. It's not for me. Uh, okay, and, so you last were a day during that. How did you find out about that job? I have no clue. Okay, you just did. I have okay. no idea. Probably a friend that was selling it to okay. something like that. Now I need every detail about the telemarketing. This was group. like bait and switch. Yeah, it's very much. It's it was if you go into like a fast food place or whatever, there used to be like. Uh, those little drop boxes where you'd fill out like, Hey, you could win a TV set. Just, you know, it's a raffle kind of thing. I don't know. They really do them anymore. I don't think it was like when there was a car in the mall and you'd fill yeah, it in. Exactly. Okay, a car in the mall. About. Okay. And you'd fill this thing out and you'd stick it in the thing. It's like, maybe your name will get drawn. You win this car. You don't read the back where it says where you've been added to this telemarketing list. And we're going to try to sell you some real estate. Got it. Um, and so I would call, they would give you these leads and I'd call them. I was like, Hey, Kate, uh, you filled out a thing for, you know, at the so-and-so mall to win a thing. And I just want to let you know, your name's been picked. Uh, you haven't won the car, but what you have won is you can get a new, whatever, Sony, blah, blah, TV. You just have to go down and pick it up and at this so-and-so warehouse and watch, you know, it's a small presentation. <laughs> So you get a TV. So the presentation is giant, like Glen Gary, Glen Ross, buy this real estate. You got to buy some land kind of thing. Now, to be fair, my parents did one of those when I was a kid. And we had a fantastic vacation. All, all it was, was we had to go, we got to go to Arkansas and stay in this cabin and, and go fishing and do all this fun stuff. And for one day for Two or three hours, we had to drive around with this guy, and my dad just sat in the front seat and said, "No thanks, no thanks, no thanks." Just no, just no, just we no. Got, not interested. I mean, my parents were on it. They, they knew. It's like we got these kids. We got to take them somewhere. I mean, so you might as well get them in the car and have them say. And so it was just essentially a pitch for. It wasn't a timeshare. It was literally real estate. I think it was a pitch for a timeshare. Timeshare. Okay. That might have been it, and it was like a free vacation. So I was like, Fuck it, I didn't feel that bad calling all these people because I was like, I'd kind of lived it. So you knew. So, so I was like, they're going to go down and get something, but they're going to have to listen to this dread when they get down there. Well, and you know, I, uh, the previous guest of the, of the show, uh, Ryan Helwig did say he used to do timeshare stuff. And he said the percentage of people who ended up actually moving forward with the timeshare was something in the like 40 some odd percent because he sure. was like, he, his pitch to them was like, look, you're going to get pitched to, it's going to be a whole thing, whatever. Yeah. And because they didn't go in there not knowing, because they went in there fully knowing they were going to get pitched to, they were more yeah. vulnerable to being pitched to. My dad so, knew exactly what was going yeah. on. He was just like, we're going to have a fantastic vacation. There's just going to be one bad afternoon. And that's it. <laughs> and that was it. It lasted a few hours. We were back and we finished our vacation. And we were like little kids. We were having a time of our life. We didn't know what was going on. My parents were just figuring out how to make a vacation a budget. I thought it was genius of them. I don't disagree. Okay. Okay. So you, but you do the bait and switch. So how long do you last at that job? I don't even remember that timeline. Okay. I last a lot longer than the toner for sure. Okay. So I guess where I'm trying to get to, like you, because you've had so many varied jobs, like w w w this whole time that you're working the jobs in Los Angeles during the day or whenever you have free time, you're busy writing. Yeah, totally. So I have no, I have no life. I'm, I'm either watching add. movies or writing them. Okay, and so how are you, like, what's filling your tank during all of this? Like, how are you finding the energy to keep going? Oh, it was, well, here's the thing with me is, like I said at the beginning, I knew I wanted to live in Los Angeles since I was, like, you know, a little kid. It's just been my dream. So the dream was already kind of fulfilled that I was living in Los Angeles. So the city, just being in Los Angeles was, was enough. enough for me. I was never one of those people that was like, this is too hard. I've got to move back home because I was like, I've done it. I've moved, I'm living in Los Angeles. Los Angeles. I love this city and okay. I still love this. Yeah. I still think it's the best city in the world. And, um, that kept my spirits up. And, and also when you're that poor and just have no money, like the slightest thing will, will tip, will, your, whole world. Will tip your whole world. Yeah. And, and there's, and you're never thinking that far ahead um, right. until you get, until you get older. When I started thinking, when I, when I went into finance, I started thinking ahead. I was like, I need to make some money. Um, but I would literally have, living in that frat house, I would literally have $7 to my name and I would go see a movie and <sighs> blow the whole thing in the movie yeah, and have nothing. And wow. I'd be perfectly happy. And when I didn't have money to go see a movie before I started working in the movie theater, I would go down to the video stores 
um, there was a video store down in Westwood I'd go to, and I would sit there and just read the boxes, and I would play concentration. I would that's how I learned who directed who, which what set designer did this because I would pick up something and be like, oh, Bo Welch designed the sets. Oh, I think I remember Bo Welch was back a few, and I go back and I find another. I was like, yeah. He designed the sets on this too. And I would just sit there and play concentration for like two hours in this video. So they just let me hang out and I just sit there. That was my entertainment. And there was a lot of free, I mean, there's just free stuff. I would go to the comedy store was one of my freebies because back then all three rooms were free on Monday nights. All three rooms were free. Boy, they gave that up. Quickly. And they, they gave it up when Eddie Murphy came and did the main room. I remember that night he came, I was there, but I was in, uh, I, th- I think I was in the belly room. And you could even walk. I don't think you're allowed to walk the hall. I remember walking between the original room and the belly room at one wow. point. You could just go in and back because it was all free. They didn't care. And I remember the word came around very quickly as Eddie Murphy's in the main room and everyone was trying to get in. And they were just locked. They're like, no, 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 no. And after that, it was like, boom, the main room is no wow. longer free. But I would go, my Monday nights free was at the comedy store. And then on the weekends, I would go to Second City, which was in Santa Monica at the time. Oh, I didn't know that. They had a main stage. Because Second City has been in L.A. Like, it's the location is closed down now, and everyone's like, it's never coming back. It, it'll eventually come back, because they always realize their mistake, <laughs> that they have to be here. So Second City has been here since 1960. They, before Holy they, shit. Before they, went to work, before they went to Broadway, they workshopped it. At the Ivar Theater on Ivar in Hollywood. I didn't know that. Yeah, and after that, they came back, and they were in Pasadena in the early 70s. With and that, that cast had Joe Flaherty, had Betty Thomas, Michael Keaton was an understudy, and that was in Pasadena. Then they left again. Then they came back in the 80s again, and Andrew had owned it by then, so he made a main stage there, and it was Ryan Stiles, Bonnie Hunt. Someone from SNL had got off SNL and gone back to Second City. Wow. Which is weird. And so I would go up there on Friday and Saturday night, stand outside because I had no money. I'd wait till the show was over at midnight and they'd open the doors and at Second City, the improv sets are always free because you're not supposed to charge for improv. <laughs> Boy, they do though, don't yeah. they? <laughs> and so I would go in and sit and watch improv sets and I saw Dan Aykroyd improvise and, and Jim Belushi would be up there and and it was huge. It was a giant, uh, as, as a Mayfield, which was... Um, uh, ruined during the Northridge earthquake, and so Second City like left close to that after that. Oh, I didn't. And know. plus, Andrew didn't. He he realized if I have a main stage out in L.A., no one's gonna stick around in Chicago because they're like, well, I can be on a main stage in L.A. and be where I'm supposed to end up anyway. Wow. So he he when it came back again, and after they had left for a while, came back to the nice. They came back and it was just a training center at, at the Improv for a while, and then it moved to the Hollywood location. That makes a lot of sense to me because when I don't know if you remember when Hollywood shorts took off when we were doing those seven day shorts where we were just pumping out videos all the time. We get a theme the, the Friday before and then with our improv groups or whatever groups we had, we'd put together a video in seven days and then it would it would air. Oh, on yeah, Friday. Yeah, yeah. And he it took off and that became standing room only and went crazy. And those videos started to do really well. And that he, was through Second City. He, it was through Second City Training Center Hollywood. And he shut that shit down. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was the second city. Yeah, it's, I, I do know that. He, he shut that because they, they took it back to Chicago. Yep. And which then, was, it, which then it imploded. Everyone, and everyone hated because it yeah. imploded. Yeah. And then it was like, then they lot, they hammered jumpers. I didn't know you were there during that mm-hmm. time. I thought you yeah. were even before that. No, I had just, I was very new around that time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I found it. Like, I don't have to do growlings. This is going to be amazing. And then it was like, wah, wah, wah. I was like, okay. Yeah. Well, that I don't have done. to do growlings. That's yeah. what I think everyone says. Like, mm-hmm. oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. And then I did it anyway. Anyway, okay. So I, okay. I've highlighted some things I'm going to come back to. We've answered very few of the actual questions because you're so good at telling stories. So... I'm going to do our outro now because we're button up on the, on the time. So Pepper, how can yep. people get in touch with you? What's the, what's the way that do you want um, people to find you on socials? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Instagram, it's just pepperberry one. And then on Twitter, it's I am pepperberry. Were you Pretty named simple. after someone? My parents, best friends, their last name was pepper. That's really sweet. So they, that's really my sweet. dad thought it was a cool name. He's not wrong. That's why I thought it was a stage name. I was like, Oh, that's a really strong, like writer name. I yeah. was like, Oh, it must be a stage name. That's, that's awesome. Okay. 
Well, folks, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service From Hell, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled in the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us here at Service From Hell directly, send us your receipts to servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We always love hearing from you. Remember, if you can't afford a tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. Pepper, two weeks of your time. We have so much more to talk about. So much more. I'm going to book you again. Um, Okay, so folks, we know we didn't get to dessert. We didn't even get halfway through entrees, but there's, there's just too many good stories. So for now, put a pause in it, put a pin in it, do whatever you do to mark coming back to something. Pepper, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This is a blast. Uh, I knew it would be. Thank you for being here. Thank you folks so much for listening. Good night. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here at Service from Hell with part two with Pepper Berry. Thank you folks so much for listening. Join us next week for even more stories. Good night.